You're listening to Every Song Has a Story, an independent podcast that aims to provide a platform for artists to talk about their inspirations and their unique process of writing songs. Big City Productions is committed to carrying on the conversation about local art and culture in your community. Hey, hey, what's up? We want to apologize to anyone who's asked us when the next episode will be released. May is a busy month for us, but we're not here to make excuses. We're here to enjoy music and celebrate the artistry that goes into writing, recording, and releasing each song. Motivation comes in many forms, and the stories that go along with the songwriting can be full of surprises and provide unique lessons for anyone who is thinking about writing lyrics. Our next guest has toured Canada multiple times with different groups, and after five years of hard work crafting his latest project, the band has hit the road and the reviews are flooding in. Words like musical masterminds, unique and totally fresh, jump off the page. With electric guitars, vintage synths, and dynamic harmonies, the progressive sound and stage presence closely replicates an experience an audience would expect to find at a stadium show. And as the crowds continue to grow, it sounds like that's exactly where this band is headed. With a fearless nature, their relentless pursuit of a good time is catching on. So when this rock and roll circus rolls into town, grab a ticket and let the music guide you on a voyage through space and time. For more information, check out our Instagram at Every Song Has a Story, or as always, BigCity.com. Make yourself happy. Write songs that make you happy. Don't try and please others because uh, the music industry can be a vicious place and it beats a lot of people down. And playing an instrument, writing songs, it's uh, its not being a hockey player or a motorcycle racer or something. You could be doing this until you're 95. You know, if, uh, if I've got a guitar in hand and uh, there's some people there to hear some music, uh, all that's going through my head is I'm glad to be here right now. You know, that's worth a lot. Music's like medicine, so uh, just just be true to your vision. Hey, my name is Daniel James. I play with a band called Brass Camel, and today we're going to be talking about the song King for a Day. Could you describe the day that the idea for the song came to you, please? Yeah, absolutely. Here in, uh, here in Vancouver, British Columbia, if you're a motorcyclist, the one road that uh, everybody seems to flock to on a uh, on a beautiful day is the Sea to Sky Highway, except Vancouver up to uh, to up to Squamish, BC. And uh, all one day it was going up for a good ride up that way, and I get to the coffee shop at the top of the ride and uh, got chatting with this fellow up there who said, "Man, if I was king for a day, we'd shut down that road once a year and we do some time trials." And on the whole road or the ride back, I was just thinking, "King for a day." That could be a song. And uh, then we made it a song. So could you tell us a little bit more about the inspiration then for the lyrics? I mean, it's uh, it's a tune about, uh, I guess you could say, the, the inclination of tyrants. You know, it's a tale, the, uh, tale as old as time. You know, a little bit of power goes to somebody's head, and uh, more than that, um, can turn into a real monster. And, uh, and that's, you know, it's a song that's a bit of a narrative story. 
somebody who uh, starts out with good intentions and uh, before long, you know, they, they're real bad men. So what came first, the music or the words? The words came first for this one, which is uh, is a little different to how I usually write. I'm more of a I'm more of a start riffing and then then start writing lyrics type of guy. But uh, I was actually I was driving up to see my a folk who live in Yokanagan here at BC, and uh, and I had a, a few hours. And, um, I had uh, I forgot my CD booklet, which is my my best companion on a solo road trip, and. Uh, and that wasn't getting a whole lot of radio reception. So did most of the drive in silence, just, uh, just coming up with some lyrics. And by the end of a you know, three, four hour drive uh, into the interior there, had uh, had most of the lyrics, uh, lyrics hammered out and spent most of the night with a guitar uh, putting the rest of the song together. So do you usually write with your guitar in your hand or do you write in silence or with music going? I would say 80% of the time I start on a guitar or I start on a piano, usually come up with, uh, with musical ideas first and, uh, you know, try and get a, try and get a feeling or a vibe from the music before putting lyrics to it is, is my general writing process. This one was a little different, but, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, I find the piano has been great just because of the counterpoint you have with the, with the bass, and with the, the lead range, you know, it, it makes a, it makes a great writing tool. Could you describe the perfect setting for writing a song? I would say it, it depends what I want to write about. You know, I um, I tend to be more of a a narrative writer. I'll find a story to write about and, and you know try and write that story in a song. Um, it's it's rare that I I do a first person uh, sort of personal tale, um, and because of that. You know, with telling those stories, it uh, they can cover a lot of ground. It can be a positive story, a sad story, and then the setting setting varies a lot. You know, if we tried to make our uh, our own rehearsal space and studio, you know, a place that that is conducive to writing, we'll walk in there and feel inside there, right? But there's other days and other songs where you know, going for a good drive or motorcycle ride. Or, you know, just standing in the shower with hot water in the back of my head, nothing but silence. Otherwise, uh, it, you know, just puts you in the right headspace for that particular jam you want to write. What did you learn when you were writing this song? Well, I would say, I would say, from a musical standpoint, um, you know, my favorite thing about being in this group compared to any of the other original bands I've been in, sort of on the journey towards this project, which really fulfills that. Fills a lot of my creative desires. Uh, with this band, there there just aren't really a whole lot of rules or kind of preconceptions about what we should or shouldn't sound like. You know, I think we've got a, a really good team of guys now that just want to have some fun making some interesting music. And you know, the the nature of the music industry, which can beat you down pretty easily, is uh, you know leads a lot of lot of lot of bands and every other band I've ever been in. You know, to try and tick certain boxes to, you know, quote unquote, make it or have a sound that's palatable. And, uh, you know, we try and tie a lot of things together with this band because we love, you know, progressive rock. We love jazz fusion, we love blues rock and R&B and whatever else. And uh, you know, I think when uh, when the lyrics came together for this song, when he, uh, we wanted to uh, wanted to write a song that just tied together a lot of those different ingredients. 
and uh, you know, I, I, I would say that learned a fair bit about arrangement in trying to put together this tune because you know it's it's one thing to write a, a seven minute song that uh, that has however many different sections or feels or moods and uh, you know I found it a little bit of a challenge at first to take a four minute song that uh, covered as much musical ground as this one does and I'm pretty pretty pleased with the result and and uh, yeah, I'd say just learned a lot about arrangement and uh, and you know trying to be merciless with uh, with you know cutting out parts that you liked but would have made the song three minutes longer. Did you write this song with a specific audience in mind? Not particularly. No, I, uh, I, I wrote a song that uh, I felt would entertain me if I was listening to it performed by somebody else, and uh, hopefully it'll entertain others as well. As the song plays through, I'm wondering what part continues to resonate with you? What lyric? I would say the bit that, uh, that hits me, especially when we perform it live, is, is maybe two-thirds of the way through. Um, when uh, when it gets to the sort of trotting section of the song before the finale, and the lyric is uh, a legacy of spite and subjugation and wretched acts far beyond redemption. We're never in the plan when this all began, but the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, yeah, that's the lyric, especially with the, with Curtis on bass when he's when he's harmonizing that part. That always hits me live uh, from a just a satisfying melody point of view. Um, and, you know, of course, I, I did not write the phrase, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but it's a, it's a great phrase. Uh, there's a reason why that's made its way into the, the cultural lexicon. And, uh, you know, I think it's true in a, in a lot of a lot of cases. And, uh, you know, of course, a lot of unexcusable historical examples. But, you know, very few people are going out there and doing doing bad things, doing evil things and thinking that they're on the wrong side of history. You know, most most tyrants, most cult leaders, most despots, uh, and somehow, in their twisted mind, have thought they were doing the right thing. And uh, and that's, that's terrifying. You mentioned performing this song. Maybe you could talk about a memorable time that you played this song on stage. Yeah, the very first time we played this song... Um, was at Vancouver's Brickshaw Theatre in uh, in March of, of 2022. And they've got a platform up uh, maybe 10 feet or so above the stage, uh, on stage right, where there's a there's a DJ booth, up, there's a storage area. And uh, and performing this song, which in the middle has sort of a, uh, a spoken word or a, a, a yelled word, I suppose, uh, uh, you know, a bit that's supposed to be the king screaming his head off. And we thought, oh, I don't really be, want to be the guy doing this on stage if we have a, an opportunity to bring somebody else out. So so we had a, a good friend of ours with a, with a great kingly beard dressed up as a uh, you know, preposterous sort of tuner-looking royal came up on this uh, this platform out of nowhere and uh, and delivered this monologue. And it, it went off without a hitch. You know, and didn't have a chance to rehearse it. But uh, I was... Awfully satisfying, just you know, looking into the, the faces of the audience at Lincoln House that night, and uh, and just kind of seeing the surprised, what the hell is that? Oh, that must be the king. And uh, you know, it's nice when you when you pull those uh, those gags on stage, try and add a little bit of theatricality to it, and and when it actually lands, and you manage to pull off something, especially something you never had a chance to rehearse, that feels good. And that was a uh, that was a memorable performance. 
the next show actually we tried to uh, try to do something a little more ambitious and we tried to have the king different king this time carrying through the crowd with four people holding the chair like pallbearers and uh didn't really account for just how much a packed house will slow four pallbearers down because he made it to the stage just a little too late and it was uh it still worked out all right, but it was a very final tap moment where uh, we, we did not nail the timing on round two. Uh, and everybody still had a good time. But uh, the, first, the first time around was definitely the time uh, the King reveal popped off without a hitch. What was the most challenging aspect of getting this song ready to record? Well, I would say just the fact that we were flying by the seat of our pants when we were going into the studio. Never performed the song live. It was a, an absolute last-minute addition to the album. And, um, I mean, we were heading into the studio a few days after after writing the song. Um, so the, uh, the kind of uh, progression from, from not being a finished piece to being put together and, uh, and then they brought into the studio and recorded. Happened very, very quickly. So I think it was just kind of tightening up the screws and you now actually getting uh, getting this thing ready to go and, and be record ready without ever having uh, played it live or spent much time shedding it with the guys. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the first time we ever played the song through and didn't make a mistake was when we were in the recording studio. So I would say that was the most challenging bit about this one. And where did you guys record this song? So when we when we tracked our, our debut album there, we did three days at Afterlife Studios, which uh, which is formerly Mushroom Studios in Vancouver, where where Harp, Zeppelin, uh, uh, a number of notable acts recorded back in the day. It's a room that's just got a, a bucket of vibe in there. Really, really great energy in the studio. And uh, we went in there for three days. We did all the all the beds, all the guitar, bass, drums, uh, live off the floor there. And then we took uh, took all the tracks back to our own our own rehearsal space slash home studio. We did all the vocals and, and synthesizers and everything uh, in house. So, who accompanied you on this song for the recording? That's uh, that's Wyatt Gilson on drums and Curtis Arsenault on bass. Just the three of us. Yeah, I, I played all the keyboards. Curtis and I, uh, Curtis and I did the vocals. When Brass Camel started out, um, you know, originally it was uh, it was the bass player Curtis and I, and uh, you know, as as anybody who's been in a band knows, the trickiest thing can be finding a number of people that you know have the same have the same vision, have the same schedules, um, you know, are able to kind of commit to a project like this, and, and it took us the better part of five years to find a full lineup of people who understood sort of what the the mentality of this band was what the 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 goals and what the vision was and uh you know it's been really really over the course of the last eight months or so that we've we've managed to lock in the the final two pieces of this band where now i i really believe we've got five guys that all share a vision were there any recording tricks or unique production tricks that you used when you're tracking this song we've got a couple a couple vintage electric pianos buried in there underneath the King monologue in the middle. There's a, there's a whispered track that uh, adds a little bit of depth to it. Um, I think we, we ran the gamut of just about every vintage guitar we could get our hands on uh, in, our, in our little local community here uh, 
you know, throughout the album. So there's some pretty interesting instruments uh, on the song. Um, as far as recording tricks, I mean, I, I, I shouted that monologue in the middle into a megaphone standing about 20 feet back from the mic. Um, perhaps if I was a trained engineer, I might have had a better way of doing that. But, uh, you know, that, that middle part isn't affected at all. That's just that's just megaphone dirt. Um, yeah, that's probably the extent of any any so-called tricks on uh, on that tune. Is there a funny story that comes to mind when you think back to the recording sessions? You know, I would say it was just uh, the, the the entirety of recording once we took it back to our studio was uh, just a I wouldn't say a gong show. You know, we were we were pretty pretty balls to the wall professional about getting stuff done but man we were flying by the seat of our pants you know it was not a clinical process we were uh, we were just working hard and and you know spending as, as many waking hours as we could muster just throwing things at the wall tons of vocal takes and trying out lots of different guitars and amp combinations and and uh, just having a lot of fun and spending a lot of hours working and, uh, you know, we, we, given that we're all working day jobs and everything, we, we got things done, uh, we got things done pretty damn quickly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, uh, there was a major death in my family during the process, which, which really, you know, put a damper on it for a couple of weeks and, uh, and getting back into the studio, it was, uh, it was an emotional time for myself. So, you know, I, sometimes you channel your grief by just, putting your head down and getting things done and you know there was definitely a, just a, a hoot we had on the, the first half of, of tracking and the back half was uh, you know driven by driven by some pretty rough emotions to be honest so you know the the whole recording process I'd say um, looking back highs and lows good times bad times and uh, and you know just a, an absolute whirlwind you know, from start to finish, it was uh, maybe five weeks or so. Uh, and again, that's well, well working day jobs, um, other than dealing with the, the family issues there, where you know, I was spending 40 hours in the motorcycle shop and then spending another 50 hours in the studio and was not getting much sleep that January, that's for sure. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it, but, uh, but you know, like I said, in my uh, the way the way I look at it is channel like grief and do uh into some art, make some music, turn it up and and put your head down and get in the studio and get to work. So, uh, you know, what, what are you going to do but push on? So where's the best place that we can find this song? You can stream King for a Day on just about any streaming service out there. I recommend Tidal as it's uh, got some great high fidelity. But if you're uh, all about the Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon, you'll find it just about anywhere. We also have Vinyl for Sale. Uh, the debut album Brass is available on LP. You can find that at our merch website, putthatshiton.ca, uh, as well as a bunch of uh, a bunch of shirts and hockey jerseys and uh, a whole manner of brass camel swag that we'd, uh, we'd highly recommend ordering. And uh, and catch us on tour where you can hear the song live this, uh, this May-June. As well as a whole lot of, uh, of other tracks from the album and uh, tracks uh, that we're going to be recording later in the studio this year. All right, a hypothetical question now. If you had a last-minute show scheduled at a really big venue, who would you call to join you on stage, and who else would you like to see on the bill? <laughs> 
I would uh, I would love to play Roy Albert Hall with Snarky Puppy. Bring it on. And when you're about to go on stage, what's running through your mind the minute before you go on? Last show it was shit. I forgot to bring a guitar slide. Most shows, uh, I'm just happy to be on stage again. That's my happy place, man. So it, uh, you know, if, uh, if I've got a guitar in hand and uh, there's some people there to hear some music, uh, all that's going through my head is I'm glad to be here right now. What advice would you give to anyone starting out as a songwriter? Stay true to yourself. Do something that makes you happy because playing an instrument, writing songs, it's uh, its not being a hockey player or a motorcycle racer or something. You could be doing this until you're 95 if uh, you're so fortunate as to, uh, to make it to that age and, uh, and it'll stick with you for the rest of your days. So, you know, not necessarily be selfish if you're working with others, but uh, as far as personal songwriting goes, you know, make yourself happy. Write songs that make you happy. Don't try and please others because uh, the music industry can be a vicious place and it beats a lot of people down. And I think, uh, you know, in my very sort of armchair psychologist opinion, the reason why you meet so many jaded people in the music industry is because they spent too much time trying to make music, you know, for somebody else or to tick some industry box rather than, uh, rather than trying to please themselves. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you're still playing piano or guitar or violin or whatever when you're 90, and, uh, you know, that's worth a lot. Music's like medicine, so uh, just just be true to your vision. Could you do a shout-out to anyone you think we should check out? Absolutely. I would recommend checking out uh, a Vancouver act called Holy Felix. He's a very, very unique uh songwriter and guitar player that uh, I think you're going to be hearing a, a whole lot more of in the, the years to come and uh, and give uh, Ludic a spin with uh, I Love Tesla Mave on guitar and vocals it's a uh, badass trio from uh, from Vancouver jazzy, fusiony, funky rock and uh, and absolutely worth a, worth a listen Make yourself happy. Write songs that make you happy. Don't try and please others because uh, the music industry can be a vicious place and it beats a lot of people down. And Playing an instrument, writing songs, it's, uh, it's not being a hockey player or a motorcycle racer or something. You could be doing this until you're 95. You know, if, uh, if I've got a guitar in hand and uh, there's some people there to hear some music, uh, all that's going through my head is I'm glad to be here right now. You know, that's worth a lot. Music's like medicine, so uh, just just be true to your vision. This is Daniel James from Brass Camel, and you're listening to Every Song Has a Story with Big City Productions.